Connected, connecting, connected, music, please, please, please cooperate for a change. Okay, I think there's some right there. Tax the rich, feed the poor, don't around rich no Mr. Alvin Lee potted down here, change the world is what we try and do one person at a time. Because uh, the show's for you and your freedom. Where's all that noise coming from, please? Okay, thank you. All participants are muted all and right. they can unmute themselves. Thank you. Okay, here we go. We still can't get all this protocol with all the adjustments we've had to make. Uh, Roger Sales with you here on the Tuesday edition. And uh, let's see, it's the 10th, I believe, and the day after the dog's bloodletting on the national championship last night. Congratulations to all those folks. They're probably still partying in some parts of Georgia. Uh, And uh, we, uh, of course, call ourselves the Radio Ranch, and we are streaming uh, and simulcasting on Eurofolk Radio number one and radio.globalvoiceradio.net number two. And... Paul's probably got a couple other ones I don't even know about. So uh, here we go this morning. Now we'll get started uh, because someone named Carl, I believe, from Oklahoma, uh, right before we got the show started, said you and your wife had both received refusal passport application letters, denial letters, I think you said? Yes, that's correct. Well, tell me about it. Tell us about it. Um, okay, well, it's uh, it's from the P- National Passport Center in Sterling, Virginia. Okay. Uh, the passport applications were mailed to Pennsylvania, from what I understand. Right. But uh, this one also has U.S. postage on it from a postage meter. Aha, uh-huh, that's interesting. Which was an interest. Yes. Um, if you want, I can read the letter. It's uh, short, a few short paragraphs. Okay, well, just give us the gist of it. They must have their hat. They're hanging their hat on something. Well, they're saying that everybody is a, a citizen, and that uh, the Supreme Court, oh, the oh. supreme law of our land, cannot okay, be waived right. by uh, unilateral uh, declaration, uh, except right. as otherwise provided by law. Except by operation of law. This is the old bluff letter they sent out before. Okay, so all you got to do is write them back and just say, well, let's see here. I usually, there's several ways that I approach this, Carl, and and we've never had anybody that got one of those that didn't get their documents back when they rebutted it, okay? But you can go back and say, Vattel's Law of Nations says every man has the right of personal political self-determination. Is that lawful enough for you? And then I'd put the little statement from their own document internally where it says all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. This is my choice, not yours. Send me my damn documents that I paid for. (laughs) Well, I kind of did that, and I did a a few others. Um, There's a 22 CFR. 5.1.2, 5.1.2, a passport may be issued only to a U.S. national. 
Okay. Well, yeah, uh, you can throw that at them, too, and say and on their own passport, it says passports are only issued to U.S. citizens slash nationals. Put the the certificate of non-citizen nationality statement in there. Put the Vitell statement in there. Tell them to send you your damn documents you paid for and stop this fooling around because you got caught slaving, you slaving bastards. <laughs> that's that's effectively what I told them already. I put in here, I demand that a valid United States of America passport be issued and mailed to me within 10 calendar days from the date of the pass, postmark of this notice. Said passport shall reflect my correct political status as a national of the United States of America and not a U.S. citizen in all Department of State okay. records. Well, now you, Should said right. passport not be issued timely, I reserve my right to initiate an action in federal district court afforded by 8 U.S.C., 1503 denial and rights denial of rights and privileges as a national okay well the first thing you wouldn't do is go to court first thing because that court is the second step the first step is the administrative appeal because that's a court of record also see and you go to the state department and go what's the first step in my administrative appeal should they give you any problems Okay. 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 And, and that's a, it, a that's a very important concept to understand. Mark understands it, I know, but it's difficult for people to understand that the administrative state is a court of record, and the reason it's a court of record is because the copies of that letters they just sent to you and your wife. Yes. Th- those are in your file. Anything you respond to them. Those that's gonna gotta go in your file, and see if you were go to step two, the other type of court, any of that stuff can be automatically admitted and bypasses the laws of evidence because it's already in their court system. The administrative state, the administrative state is a court of record because they've got to keep everything they send you or anything you reply to them in your administrative file, and that's the record. That and I'll send them another copy of my app. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd stick another one in there just just to make sure you got this in your records. <laughs> now, I'd also drop the ten day requirement because okay. they they've objected to that on the front end. Obviously, you don't do this very often, but they do it occasionally. Okay, and uh, okay, so they hasn't gone on with processing where it's like ready to go to send to you. So you're going to have to wait for the regular processing. I dropped that requirement on the 10 days thing, okay? But just rebut their little presumptive crap, and you and your wife will both get the documents. Now, did you order a passport and a card or just a card or a book or what, Carl? We ordered both. Okay. Well, you should get both then. I've never seen one in all. They started this about, I don't know, not too long, I guess a couple of years after we got into this people started getting these and there's never been an onslaught of them like this blanket mailing they did recently this shows you 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 think these people are a little concerned about this folks do you oh yeah okay oh yeah so uh uh, that's how i'd handle it carl you shouldn't have any problems oh i didn't think it was going to be a problem i i was just letting you guys know that they're starting okay. to send out letters now okay. to deny passports oh no no they, they just do this occasionally <laughs> you're just you and your wife are just lucky okay uh, <laughs> so 
because very few, we hadn't seen very many of these lately, but evidently they're still trying to pull them out of their barracks bag there. Uh, I'm going to read you the first sentence from memory. It appears by what you've submitted that you're a citizen of the United States. It quotes the 14th Amendment, and then it goes, blah, can't be waived unilaterally, blah, 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 except for yeah. by operation of law. That's the first paragraph, isn't it? Yes, effectively it is. Yeah, there you go. All right, just do what we just discussed. You shouldn't have any problem. All right, thank you. I appreciate your help. All right, Carl. And I, th- I, I appreciate your experience and, and your knowledge and sharing all this information with everyone. Well, hell, I can't be free unless the rest of you guys get free. Well, you've you've done that. We're working on it, making a little yes. progress finally after a lot of years of frustration. So, uh, good, Carl. Whereabouts in Oklahoma are you there? Just so you and Mark, they're getting a little group out there. I'm in Tulsa. I'd like to get together with Mark. Okay. Well, can you two exchange? I know he's in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Can you two exchange uh, stuff here, or you want to do it via email? Uh, I'll send it to him on uh, PM. I, I see him on Jitsi. Okay, good I, enough. I'll, well, you two. Well, Mark, Mark, your group's growing. <laughs> <laughs> we have I'm, we have I'm some than we have a, a few other people that were full of rocking chairs <laughs> we have a few other people up here that are uh getting together every other week now cool i got an old friend in tulsa i hadn't heard from him in a while so one of the he's got a big job with one of your real big uh, gas and oil companies there good guy um, oh yeah yeah i, I just I hadn't had any communication with him for a while but we uh used to communicate a bit um anyway i won't drop his name here um but uh we're growing you know it's 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 pretty uh good feedback for me to finally see this thing taking shape and people starting to spread it and it's at a point where people are really looking for answers you know and the nice well your message yes your message has resonated with me and my wife how'd you find us significantly good great um I heard you. I, uh, I found a, a recording of you from RBN on on BitChute. Okay. But I've been researching national for about a year and a half. Okay. Good. Um, this is life changing information. Yes. I mean, it really is. Okay. And I know that because it's changed my life, and I've seen it with other students too. And. And I get feedback from that. So, uh, anyway, welcome to the group. I, this is the first time we've spoken, isn't it? No, we've we've spoken a few other times before. Okay. All right, uh, briefly. Okay. Well, glad to have you aboard, and uh, thank you, sir. Glad to, glad you got those letters, so we get a little more chance to know each other. <laughs> get, oh yeah, I get a chance to plug in to Mark and all that kind of stuff. But just answer that and shoot it back to him. You shouldn't have any problem getting your documents. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. You let us know how else I yield. can help. Okay, great, Carl. Nice. Thanks for uh, starting the program out on a good foot. So uh, now that we got questions and obstacles, maybe we can maneuver over, around, or under them. Anybody else got some obstacles? Well, see, no obstacles. Anybody else got anything they wanted to add here at the start Roger. of the show? There's somebody. Yeah, Roger. This is Mark in all caps. Yeah, Mark. Because all capital letters do not convey jurisdiction. Um, I just wanted to touch briefly. I had uh, one of the listeners ask me to review a, a cover letter they were sending in with their naked affidavit. Okay. 
And um, I just thought it might be, I asked permission to share it with, you know, minus their personal info. Right. And so what they did is they put, please find my enclosed notarized affidavit of national evidence that declares Ooh. I am a national of, and they put their state oh, there. It's citizenship. And that's America under the constitutional contract of 1787, which makes me a non-resident to the residency and alien to the citizenship of the 14th Amendment. Period. Oh, folks, please. Such, I'm not subject to the jurisdictional statements of the United States, codes, and regulations. Please place my affidavit of citizenship evidence firmly and permanently in my administrative file. Okay, you want to critique that? So, I, I came back. I'll just give you my two cents of, of what I suggested, and I'd love to hear your feedback as well. Because I think everybody should try to make theirs kind of unique so it just doesn't look like a boilerplate letter going in, Agreed. you know, all the time. But um, I put, encloses my affidavit regarding my national citizenship status, period. Please securely file my enclosed affidavit in my permanent file. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact me by mail. And that's it. I, would, but I, I don't take, feel like it's necessary to go through all the explanation about my citizenship status or try to educate them or anything like that. I'm just don't try your case. You David, put it in my file. You know what Brent said one time that I thought was very appropriate. Don't try your case in the letter. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I wouldn't so, put no, national. I would ahead. put enclosed. Please find an affidavit of citizenship evidence not national citizenship citizenship evidence that is very important you know why mark oh yeah because i mean your affidavit is evidence well the reason is because that's what they call the reason is that's what they call it internally at the state department using their internal terminology, Affidavit of Citizenship Evidence. Now, the way we found out about that is one of my friends here years ago, a female, sent in her affidavit. Too bad she doesn't live like it, but she did, and got the passport and everything, and her passport wasn't back in 10 minutes, and she got antsy. And so this in the early days, years probably seven, seven, eight years ago, maybe more. And so she, um, she was calling and all fidgety. And I, I said, look, why don't you contact the State Department? And so she did and called the 800 number. And the lady said, well, you can track your passport internally and gave her the website. I didn't know that at that time. Okay. And so. When you go back and you track your passport, they have little pop-ups with verbiage in there. That's where we got it. Right. Okay. So this is what they call your affidavit internally in the legal department at the State Department. Please use their language. They understand it perfectly. They wouldn't either. Otherwise. But when you use their nomenclature, it nails it, see? That's like using all these words correctly, and our people want to go, oh, I'm a state national. No, you're not. You're a national or a U.S. national. State in any in, in any regulation, any statute, anywhere, in any of the federal law books. 
why do you want to use it? Why don't you want to use their words? Using their exact words and their exact terminology is the key to the matrix. Don't you understand? Why do our people, I know God said we're stiff-necked people. I get evidence of it all the time. Why do you want to alter all that? I mean, if, you, if you're a refugee from David Strait or Anna Von Wright's, you get a little leeway, all right? Because you got to undo all that crap. Use their terminology. <laughs> right, Mark? That's like when I talk about making a special appearance in court, and I had people, I don't say they jumped on me, but they're like, oh, I don't like to use the word appearance. I like That's... to use invitation. Like, well, you know, the court uses the language of appearance. So I, I try to stay in those bounds, so I'm talking their language. So I like that. Now, I want to add another point to the cover letter that we're critiquing here, okay? Please understand, you're only a non-resident alien in the tax code. It that that language isn't anywhere in the statutes. It's nowhere in the statutes at large. It's nowhere anywhere outside of Title Twenty Six. They use that specifically to get Title Twenty Six past everybody. So you're not a non-resident alien. That's early on, and that's my complaint with and when I hammer on people, please learn the information. Please get command of the information. Heard of a kid running around, I'm a non-resident alien, I'm a non-resident. No, you're not. You're only a non-resident alien as it applies to the tax code. You've got to make these differentiations or else you're going to make yourself look silly to people. Get it? So, anyway, that's my other point on the letter that you read. And that's a big pet peeve of mine. That's why I come back. I stress learn the information, get command of the information, so people don't go out and make that mistake. Let's put it that way. Okay? It Yes, you're a non-resident alien, but only in title 26 cfr that's the only place they use that term see they change the labels on it it's it's a a territorial citizen over in title 8 it's a non-resident alien over here in title 26 it's a something else somewhere else you know they've got several different labels on this and i think mark and have for a long time that that is one of the big reasons that our community has had so little success over all these decades they're going in and trying to find the big answer by going through the statutes and regulations and with all this chicanery and treachery and trickery in there you can't figure that out that's why our community's never had any success to the most for the most part yeah that's that's what absolutely i totally agree that's what dan metter and ralph winter road were doing you know they're trying to go pour through the the codes and regulations and law and court cases you're never going to get anywhere with that. I mean, you, you're going to read that. Why do you think none of the tax attorneys or anybody in the country has ever figured the Title 20? Well, first of all, because they make a living off of it, okay? But secondly, well, there it is right there. There's only two statuses. You're free or you're a slave. There it is on the front page. But they hide it behind non-resident alien. 
The only person that in our group that I felt like had a really good handle, like on the tax, was Pat Patton, and he wrote the book IRS Liars, Thieves, Thugs, Cowards, and Hypocrites. And, and in that agents. book, he, he talks about the he should, assessment. He should have put and foreign agents. You, Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he, um, he, he brought out what was called the assessment. Mm-hmm. And not all income is taxable, and there's certain types. And we, we talked briefly on this about the, the individual master file, the IMF, right. where they're categorizing everybody under all kinds of different things that would normally be, or I should say activities. Activities. They're, they're categorizing people uh, receiving income under various activities that would normally be taxable, but your personal income is not one of them. So they have to thwart their system and miscategorize you in order for their computers to send out, you know, uh, tax notices. And so Pat had, um, you know, he'd figured out the assessment angle on that, and they really could not get around it. They just had to just ignore you and, and turn a willful blind eye to their own codes and regulations to continue going after a person. But... Uh, Pat had him backed up in the corner where they finally said one day, uh, we're going to leave you alone. Right. If you do that, they'll they'll go, they'll go for the low hanging fruit every time for the most part. Okay. And if you ain't low hanging fruit, they ain't coming after you. All right. Um, Hey Roger. Uh, All right. Hold on. uh, We've got some good news that wants to come in here. We can always use a little of that. Go ahead. TP. Um, I'm sorry, Mark. I didn't want to step on you. If I stepped on your lips, I sorry. I apologize. I just wanted to say that uh, it came it came out last night or yesterday during the day that um, McCarthy, the new guy that's coming on here, was on video saying that they're going to actually the I first thing they're going to do is get rid of the eighty thousand well they're, they're IRS gonna, agents. They're going to cut the funding to the eighty six thousand. Okay. Well, that's that, a good move. I think well, good yeah, move. Well, hopefully, well, let's see if he follows through. Yep. Well, you know, talk's cheap, baby. Action's better. <laughs> so, um, Mark, back to what we're talking about, about this IRS stuff. You see here where you'll understand the process. Um, the computer's programmed directly. This is what Glenn and, and um, oh, what was the guy's name? Mark Ellis, I think, was his name. And it, this came out of Mark um, when I was doing shows with Al Adisk. Because okay, Al Addis had connections to this guy, Mark Ellis, I believe was his name. And he had done yeoman's work internally on all those IRS manuals that have all the codes and all the kind of stuff you're talking about, the individual master files and manufacturers of foreign truck bodies and, all you know, a foreign insurer. And all these are these different categories they of activity they place people in, if I remember right. Okay. And so... Um, up uh, the pro the computer is programmed in Martinsburg, West Virginia is where this is. Okay, and that's the the technical heart of the IRS, Martinsburg, West Virginia, and so it's a voluntary system, and we know that well because all of the regulations are all interpretive. Did Dan come up with that? Had he come to that conclusion, Mark, that all the IRS regulations are interpretive? 
Mark? I don't recall him ever mentioning that. Okay, that's really critically important. Okay, you got to understand the the administrative state and their regulatory scheme. Okay, and for the newer people on here, I'm not going to give you the whole spiel. I'm just going to give you an overview. There's a three types of regulations: statement of policy this is the first one, interpretive is the second one, and substantive is the third one. Now, this comes from the Administrative Procedures Act, which is the rule book and the guidebook for the administrative state. This is their man-made, unelected bureaucrat, man-made laws here. But there's different kinds. The three I just gave you. A statement of policy is nothing but that, a statement of policy. And it only applies to the agency internally. They're stating a policy. You can find all this in the Federal Register. It's in there every day. Okay? So you can go online, find the Federal Register, and see all this stuff right in front of you if you know what you're looking for. Okay? So as I said, it all goes back to the APA, which was passed in 1946, 13 years after the bankruptcy. It took them 13 years to pass the rule book for the administrative state after they instituted it, okay? So the first one is a statement of policy. The second one is interpretive, and that also is just interpreting activity, but it only applies to the agency. And the third one is the reason that you know all that, because the third one is called a substantive regulation. And they have to go through a very specific protocol to be legal, okay? Not lawful, legal, all right? And so that is called notice and comment. The reason they have to go through that, what is notice and comment? Isn't that due process? Notice and the right to be heard? Notice and the right to be heard is due process. Do what, Mark? Yes, I I was agreeing with you. Okay. So the third one, substantive, has to go through an additional layer of due process. Why? Because the only the substantive regulation has what's called general applicability. That means it applies to everybody. So only the ones that apply to everybody have this additional extra step of due process called notice and comment in the promulgation of the regulation. And the way they do that, you can go, as I said, you can go to the Federal Register and look at it. There's some in there today, I promise you. Okay, And at the top, it'll say in big, bold letters, notice of proposed rulemaking. And so they lay the regulation out. There's a person's contact name and number there, and it tells you you got 60 or 90 days or however many they put on there for you to get them back a comment. In theory, they're supposed to take all these comments back, go back and re-promulgate the regulation in accordance with all the comments and feedback they've gotten, and then they publish it, and it says, Notice of Final Rulemaking. Big, bold letters. They restate the regulation, 
and then it can't take effect. If I remember right, this has been many years since I messed with this. If I remember right, Mark, they can't, the regulation after it's finally promulgated and published can't take effect for 60 or 60 or 90 days. Okay. So there's a really, from what I've just told you, you can see there's a lot more process than just writing a regulation and putting it in a federal register, such as they do with the other two. Okay. Now, the middle one is the one we're concerned with, and that's the interpretive regulation. And I'm going to give you the perfect example of how you can beat these guys with this. And the perfect example was the people that brought the lawsuit against the CDC mask regulation that won that case in the Central District of Florida. I believe the judge was one of uh, Clarence Thomas's clerks, former clerks, Mark, okay, and female, and they overturned that mask mandate regulation. Why? Because it was only an interpretive regulation. It only applied to the CDC. So the CDC people had to wear the mask, not everybody. That's how they fool you. You don't understand the APA. You don't understand all this complexity. And you just say, well, it's a regulation. I guess we can enforce it. Well, they can't. Those first two, statement of policy and interpretive, are only interagency regulations. That's the only people they apply to. Well, guess what? IRS's regulations are all interpretive. Every one of them. Yes. They've got That's no general. Said as well. Do what? Do what? Ralph Winterrode said the same thing about the IRS. Right. Code. He was on this. Ralph was on this before he died. Okay. Yes, he was. Yes, so, he was. So there right there shows you it's a voluntary Hello, system. Roger. What, do what, Mark? Go ahead. Uh, Ralph was also talking about they'll, um, instead of doing the comments, they'll just do it under emergency, but they never tell you specifically what the emergency was that would authorize them to do that. Yeah, well, just like the emergency vaccine. You know, there's another little of their little technique scams they're using here. Okay. But in the analysis of that, <laughs> what it really tells you is the IRS system is totally voluntary or else they'd be writing substantive regulations, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So there's the first deal. There's another guy back in the 50s, I think, uh, somebody from uh, that division of government was in front of Congress, and he made the statement in front of Congress in his testimony, your BATF taxes are mandatory. The IRS is totally voluntary. That's in front of Congress. Okay. So that's the important part of understanding some of this. And a little of that's deep. It took me a long time to get it. I had a law teacher, Gary. You ever heard of Gary Bryant? Does that name familiar to you, Mark, at all, or TP? Gary Bryant? I never heard of him. He was one of my law teachers. He's from the Atlanta area, and he was a really interesting, interesting fellow. And he's the one that drilled that in my head when I was fighting the IRS on that notice of books and summons. And see, I stumbled on it and understood it, but we'd already had the district hearing. And if I was going to appeal, I couldn't bring that into the appeal because I hadn't brought it up in the district court hearing. You can't bring something up as the case goes up and add it to the case that hadn't been brought up before. 
Okay. And so I realized even back then how powerful this was. And I didn't want to even risk going into the 11th circuit there in Atlanta and having, because I wasn't doing anything right or something right and not accustomed to this courtroom uh, pressure that you get in when you hold on a second TP when you get in there. And I didn't want to go in and get an adversary ruling on something that was really, really positive that would be binding in the 11th circuit. Yeah, TP, what do you got? No, I just wanted to elaborate a little bit longer on what you just said, and you said it clearly. You cannot bring anything up on appeal that wasn't brought up on the lower courts. We're dealing with something with that, something similar to that now. And this is something that I've been addressing from the very beginning. <laughs> you want to set it up so that you can bring all this stuff up in appeal, See, all the violations, all, et cetera. All this crap is why you don't want to be in court. Okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And, and we hear that, and people relate to that because they think that you're automatically going to be in there. What we do is keep your ass out of there. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. Well, let me, let me let me clarify what I'm saying. When we say stay stay out of court, or at least when I say stay out of court, you want to try to administratively avoid that if at all possible. Absolutely, absolutely. But if you're getting summons to appear in court, uh, the first thing I want to attack is going to be jurisdiction. Do they? Does the court or the regulatory agency have jurisdiction over me as a national? And if you don't, bye bye. It's over. Yep. Or I'm going to have to take it up on an immediate interlocutory appeal, which I've already won one on jurisdiction. Have you? So uh, that, that's how I say don't don't go to the merits. Try to stay out of court completely. You don't want to be in there, folks. Just look at the January 6th guys. Of course, D.C. is a special swamp district, okay? But, but regardless, you want to do your best to stay out of court. It ain't fun. There's nothing about it that's fun. It takes away no your way. life from you. It will absolutely, it can break up marriages and, and, and everything else. You don't want to do it if you don't hey, have Ro to. Roger? Yes, Samuel. Hi. Um, I got something that's timely for this, and I hope when I bring this stuff up, I'm not like I'm an adversary to other people with other opinions, but um, I'd like to chime in on the subject that we're discussing right here from Stamper's point of view, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. Stamper's a federal for those that don't know this Samuel's going to quote out of a book called fruit from a poisonous tree. It was written about 20 years ago by a guy named Stampler who was not only a U.S. attorney, but also a sitting federal judge. Yeah. And, and people want me to quote the page I'm going to, quote from so that's page 238 um there are many that believe that special appearances by paperwork motions etc nullify court jurisdiction under emergency powers this is false doctrine there is no remedy in challenging a court's jurisdiction except by abating it first now yep. see i wasn't real clear on that myself this abatement process he's talking What's about an affidavit? versus trap. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I understand. Let, let's go on it. Abatement. Uh, abatements are not challenging the court's jurisdiction, but merely a good faith attempt to correct errors in process. 
And he says, here's a quote here from him. He's clean up the errors, judge, and I'll appear. Special appearances fail when a judge knows that he's doing under martial rule. Uh, a special appearance fail when a judge knows what he's doing under martial rule. Judges do whatever they want, whenever they want, as long as they do not alarm the public or disturb the peace. Jurisdiction is always granted to try jurisdictional questions, even if one goes to a higher court. Defendants grant jurisdiction without knowing it because they never challenge the process that creates the jurisdiction in the first place. Process is perfected by appearance, special or otherwise. Also, remember, the court is not the building, the judge, or anything else. It's the paperwork. If the court paperwork is defective, there is no court, and it ceases to exist. Okay. By, necess- by necessity, field officers, judges, highway patrol, sheriffs, etc., exercise powers of life and death to maintain authority given them by international law that prohibits lawful civil authority or constitutional mandates. Such procedures are too timely and clumsy for military or quasi-military operations. In sum, constitutional and common law precedents are too restrictive to federal, state, county, and city power. Therefore, military courts exercise benefit of discussion. That gives a court jurisdiction as soon as defendant answers a question or demands any response or action of a military court, such as motion, practice, or petitions of writ. Arrest warrants and procedures do not conform to constitutional law because they don't have to if a defendant appears in person or by special appearance paperwork. Arrest warrants with the judge's signature, black ink, and proper affidavits with true court seals and instruments of lawful process and cannot be used in emergency power courts. Federal, state, county, and city emergency power courts and other entities manipulate the English grammar to protect their own international law status. Thus, a state neither writes its name as the state of Florida instead of Florida State in all caps instead of proper upper and lower case, or it uses the abbreviations for the states, and so on. All of all of which are misnomers and no name at all. International law requires that neither party to the case, the state, nor the person can appear in their own name, but only under the nom de guerre war name, as indicated by the name in all caps. Could be. Or one name with an abbreviation. This creates a jurisdiction personality. I'll, I'll leave it there. Okay, yeah, that's a lot of lot to ingest there of technical stuff. It okay. is. I've read right. that page probably two dozen times. Okay, all right. What is the Military International Law Forum? What is it? Where did it come from? The emergency. It came from the bankruptcy. 
It came from the bankruptcy in 33. What did they do in the 30s, Mark? They brought in these bodies called Federal Rules for Civil and Criminal Procedure that mandate the way that the courts operate. Those are under the bankruptcy. What do you do when you file an affidavit? You remove yourself from the citizen of the United States resident surety position and go back to the original pre-33 Constitution. That's why they have no jurisdiction. Well, it also might be under trading with the enemy act. Well, that's the same thing. Oh, you know, they same thing. Right. Okay. Trading with the you Enemy Act is when they, they took a 1917 World War I piece of legislation, they brought it forward to 33, exactly verbatim, except they took out Germany and put in citizens of the United States and declared all of those people in that category enemies after the bankruptcy in surety to a fraudulent bankruptcy. That's what's going on here. Wow. And, and Roger, I want to be clear again about Stamper. Now, Stamper realizes that you're alien to this system, that you're a feudal slave, and he knew he didn't want anything to do with, with citizenship and it, its ramifications, but he did not know about the national. He didn't know how they'd hidden the original status, okay? And so the other thing is, Mark. They put their, you probably heard this before, they put their jurisdictional statement in every copy of any charges that they ever send anybody. It's in the first paragraph. Yes. Do you know what it is? Oh, I don't know. I don't know the statement, but I know that they they lay out why they have jurisdiction or why they think they have jurisdiction. Here's how they do it. Here, we charge Mark in all caps, a resident of... Oklahoma City, blah, 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 a resident of. There's their jurisdictional statement. Nobody sees it. Nobody understands it. Nobody challenges it and knows how to challenge it. And it just rolls on because silence deems consent, doesn't it? Exactly. I I had uh, an acquaintance who went through federal court that – before the trial, the judge asked if anybody was not a U.S. citizen, and nobody stood up. Right. Nobody said a word. Right. So it was presumed everybody in that courtroom was a U.S. citizen. They're very slick, very sneaky. Who was the female that wanted to add some? Was that Charlie? Charlie. It's Charlie. Mark, do you mind if I ask you a question? Um, you said that you had success on raising um, jurisdiction on an uh, interlock interlocutory appeal um from what i understood yeah. from you you hadn't done your affidavit yet so how did you get success no. if i may ask well it wasn't it wasn't my case wasn't i did the him. research and the outline for uh an attorney in texas that's pretty good mark so you're it, you're it doing... had to do with national but it was more of, of in personam jurisdiction but the but the mechanics of it worked the same Okay, so look. Yeah, for, you have my curiosity. They up by, they, me. I said you really had my curiosity because, <clears throat> excuse me, how many people are up that position to be able to say they're not a citizen or a, a resident? 
Well, not many. State. Well, not many. So, and it's just like that case off the Copper Moonshine still said, if a person cannot prove they're not a citizen of the United States, the IRS can move forward. How do you prove you're not a citizen of the United States? They've hidden that pretty good. You've got to send a statement to the Secretary of State, period. That's the only way you can prove it. Okay, I yield. Thank you. Okay. So I wanted to just make a statement for the new folks that might be hanging around here because you're getting a drink of water out of a fire hydrant this morning here for the first part of the show. <laughs> and uh, just don't let it deter you. Don't let it confuse you. Okay, if you don't understand it, you will at some point if you continue to study and get command of the information. Okay? So don't Roger, we-, we really need to learn how to um, do things as a national and how to carry ourselves um mark is sharing some cases that are not for nationals um but the there might, might be some tools there that we can use that we have to keep in mind um we are putting our affidavit in the secretary of state in dc and we need to learn how to what to do and how to do it as a national so we we stay you know well, I mean, you, first of all, doing. first of all, what you're doing by submitting one of those is admitting tacitly and in person that you are a personally responsible because you're moving over the common law. Okay. And if you go hurt somebody and do stupid stuff, then you're going to be held responsible. Okay. So the first okay, thing you're... that you learn is you start doing stuff responsibly, like you don't go out and speed. You don't go out and do stupid stuff. Right. You don't go in Capitol buildings. Yeah, right. So, you know, it's a mindset. I mean, it's impossible to tell everybody how to do everything. I don't know what your lives are on a day-to-day basis, but you hold yourself personally responsible, and now you're in a little bit higher status than a slave, aren't you? So you've got a little bit more responsibility that you need to be conscious of. That's part right. of the life change here. Staying out of court too. Okay. Well, you can stay out of court if you if you've done things properly and and, and you address them. Generally, they're not going to carry further any further. Like I'm anxious to hear from Anna in Boston when she gets a chance to check in on us and we get some resolution on her little tyranny situation up there, where she puts the local chief new the new local chief of police on notice about her stat, her affidavit filing, and he sends two deputies and seizes all their damn firearms and revokes her concealed carry permit. That guy's clearly clearly out of line but like brent said they let him in you know in that case you want to step outside with them don't let them in your house well exactly you're talking about the seizure yeah i think it was her husband that let him in or something you know but Anyway, you just start acting responsibly. That's why I really like people to learn the information before they file the affidavit. And I understand the heat on people. I understand the situation very well. And people see this and they go, oh, hell, I'm filing one of those before the sun goes down. And they got it in the mail. They ain't learned crap, but they already got their affidavit in the mail. If you're one of those, don't walk away. Learn the damn information. Your freedom's not in the paper. Your freedom's in the knowledge that you have. Very important. 
Hey, Roger, does that uh, interpretive law What? Now, hold on. Is this Stacy? Oh, this is Joan. Oh, Joan. Okay. Hey, what? Uh, does that interpretive law mean that only the CDC has to get vaccinated? Well, it depends. I don't know about their vaccine. It's all under emergency, remember? So they've done yeah. all this under emergency, so they took a lot of the precautions and things that were built into the system and set them aside because they can do that under emergency. That's how they're presuming and moving forward on all this stuff, okay? That, in, that what I went over, it only applies to the Code of Federal Regulations. Remember, there's three sets of law books in the law library, the organic statutes at large, the United States Code, and the Code of Federal Regulations, all these man-made, unelected, bureaucratically man-made, they call them. They call them little laws, okay? And so that interpretive statement of policy substantive only applies to regulatory activity. It doesn't have anything to do with the United States Code, and it doesn't have anything to do with the organic statutes at large. It's only for the administrative state, which is the deep state, which is running the whole show through regulatory activity. That's why they did this bankruptcy, so they could put this layer in there. So, so I think you said only the CDC has to wear a mask. In that specific that. instance I gave, the CDC mask regulation was only an interpretive regulation. It did not go through notice and comment under emergency. So they just take an interpretive interagency regulation and throw it out there for blanket applicability, which it doesn't have. That's so why that the court... Would that not apply to the vaccine, too? Well, it might. You'd have to go do some research on it. I don't know. Okay? But, yeah, this is why. Well, the vaccine's mandatory. They're not forcing you to go get it yet, are they? No, but people have lost their jobs because of it. Well, that's right. But that is a job they voluntarily took, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. See the, see the difference? See the line? Kind of. I mean, I know it's I know it's a BS reason, but you voluntarily took that job. When you did that, you accepted. You know, if you received the benefit, you owe the duty. You received the benefit of working for them and getting paid. You owe the duty. If they tell you you got to get one, then that's the way. That's the reason the, the 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 rationale the courts have fallen back on in a couple of court cases, to my knowledge, that have been carried forward on this, and they got ruled on. That's not for just federal or um, well, employees. So. Any, well, any any corporation or employer? Yes, I think that's right. Well, that's how the courts have ruled on a couple of them. But now we're seeing a lot of court cases come up, and it's it's muddy water right now. I'd say, especially for me. But that technically, underlyingly, that's the way it should work. Roger. Yes, Samuel. Um, it be if some of you guys out there with your legal backgrounds and definition books can. Can look up this term, benefit of discussion. That is not clear to me what that really means. But let me read the the, the the sentence over again with it in. Further, military courts exercise benefit of discussion. That 
gives a court jurisdiction as soon as a defendant answers a question or demands any response or action of a military court, such as motion practice or petition of writ or writ. I've never heard that term before benefit of discussion. I think that means if you engage with them, they, they assume jurisdiction. Says what it sounds sure like. Sure sounds to me. like it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that nice? That's why people say you don't want to go in there and say anything. You stand mute, you know. I mean, there's there was a little, uh, not on a court setting, but I saw a little video recently. We touched on it on the show one day. And they had different clips, about four or five different people, and the police officer would walk up to the car, and the guy goes, I don't answer any questions. And the guy would go, well, why don't you answer any questions? I don't answer any questions. And eventually all five of the, of the cops walked off because there was no benefit of discussion. You didn't engage with them. I don't answer any questions. Okay, see you later. I don't know if that's valid or not. I just saw a video on it and a guy talking about it. But I thought it was very interesting when I saw five different examples of somebody using that and the cop walking off. I think that's what that means, uh, Samuel. Well, I see a definition here if you want to hear it. Well, sure. Give it to us. Yeah, benefit of discussion. Civil law. The right which a surety has to cause the property of the principal Mm. debtor to be applied in satisfaction of the obligation in the first instance. See civil code of... Okay. Well, a surety? Did it say a surety in there? A surety. I guess you've been made sureties at birth for the fraudulent bankruptcy, haven't you? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I also wanted to say I put the PDF copy of uh, Melvin Stamper's... um, fruit of po- uh, from a poisonous tree in the chat room, but it's at stopthecrime.net if anyone wants yeah, to look. Deborah Tavares, is, she, she uh-huh. refers to that book quite a bit, I think. Okay, so now that we got a bunch of you totally confused this morning, where can we go from here? Hey, Roger. Yes. Hi, good morning, everybody. It's Princess from California. Yep. Um, I just got a, a letter, and I think I had mentioned before that I was uh, submitting an application for my CalPERS ref- and um, just got a letter back today, and you may not, you know, I understand all the different c- scenarios and personal lives, but I was just wondering, um, the letter just said, thanks for submitting the application to CalPERS, that they were unable to process the application due to the following reason. There's several checks here. I think there's seven, and the one that is checked is, uh, your statement of citizenship, federal tax withholding election uh, is incomplete. Okay. You must submit a completed form to CalPERS. Okay. Well, they evidently have got some sort of an internal form for people like you, Princess. And I'm looking at it, and, and you are correct. And I, I was just wondering, just if anybody, yourself or anyone, you know, it is it is called a statement of citizenship slash federal tax withholding election. Okay, sounds great so far. <laughs> okay, no, I'm getting to it. I'm just trying to give you some context here because it's hard to you know describe when you can't see it. But um, so just basically in section one, asks for information: first name, middle initial, last name, and it has a checkbox for your SSN versus an ITIN, and it just mentions that um, the ITIN is required for payment 
if you are a foreign citizen or resident alien. Okay, well, you're not a resident alien. You are a foreign citizen in a technical sense because you're not a federal citizen. I'd answer and fill out that form, attach again your affidavit, and send it to them. Okay, and um, section two, real quick, thank you, because it, it, obviously these are the choices. I am a citizen of the United States. Um, this, this, the topic is U.S. citizen living abroad or resident alien. And then it has the option, I am a citizen of the United States of America living abroad. Okay, you are. <laughs> that citizen of the United States of America is a national, isn't it? But the living abroad part, is that, is that that foreign? Well, well, you know, it depends on, again, abroad, it, because you're alien to Washington, D.C. and the federal system. Aren't you living abroad? You're living in one of the outlying territories. Yeah, that's right. So that, um, and then the other option is I am a citizen of, and then it has country and a legal resident of the United States of America. Well, you're so certainly just, not that. I do. <clears throat> then it says I do not elect federal withholding from any monthly benefit, which I don't think that's relevant because I'm not really. It's just a, a refund, a one, you know, one lump sum. And then it says um, I elect federal withholding from my monthly benefit again, and ask for your marital status. <clears throat> um, and what was kind of interesting to me was section three says non-resident alien. Okay, now, all right, hold on, hold on. Now we're talking tax stuff. That's what I thought. Okay. Go ahead, read what it says. The the direction says fill out this section only if you are a non-resident alien. There you go. There's your your option. And then it says country of citizenship. United United States of America. Okay, and then it asks for country of legal residence, though. So, well, um, you, all right, ta- this is good for new people right here. Okay, because you've sent in your affidavit. You're not a resident under the Fourteenth Amendment, right? right? Okay, so that means, as John said, when I was querying John about this, and he was still alive, I called him, and and he said, "Well, you're everyone is either a resident." Or a non-resident, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you have given away your residency and given it back to them on this 14th Amendment scam, because a resident is a, a, a your residence is where you live to receive your benefits or discharge your duties. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now, where is your residency? I think we talked about it being in heaven or something. I think. Uh, I, well, I mean, if your if your residency is where you receive your benefits and discharge your duties, and you don't have an official residency and you're under God's laws, isn't now your residency heaven? That makes sense. That's what I thought. I'm I'm getting it. I'm okay. getting it. Okay. So, but and then. I was there was some confusion because then the section. Four, oh, there's a lot of confusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, section four is um, labeled certification, and the side um, instructions just kind of say a beneficial owner and beneficial owners in quotes is normally the beneficiary entitled to payment. For more information, please see IRS form W eight Ben. 
<laughs> There's the old W-8-B-E-N again, huh? Yeah, so I was... I would, I would write them back. I would fill out the form, attached, affidavit attached, or see attached, or whatever in some of the response there that you're going to give them. Attach your affidavit, send it to them, and see how they react. Okay. Now, would you... I guess my question specifically now is, um, would it just be the entire form, I guess... Or just that non-resident alien section. Well, you'd have to, you'd have to go over all the options again. Okay. Um, oh, wow, this is well, section one again. Was uh, just that's I understand it's section one, just information about me. Um, I guess I would um, click the social security versus the ITIN. Yes, give them. Don't feel bad about giving them your social. It's not a nexus to the system. It's an identifying tracking number. And then it, right under asking for the Social Security, it says, "Note: ITIN is required for payment if you are a foreign citizen of, or resident alien." And well, you're not. Asks, you're not a foreign citizen. I mean, you technically you are, but the way they're using it there, I don't think so. And you're certainly not a resident alien, so that obviously doesn't apply to you. And then it because then under that is asking for yeah. permanent residence address. Well, you know, well, that's not you. You're not a permanent resident. So section one, just my information. It looks like yep. and uh, the social security number. Yep. And then the part about section two, living abroad or resident alien. I am a citizen of the United States of America, living abroad, is what I think you were mentioning. Well, technically, most- you are. But now whether they're going to recognize that or not, that's why I say, uh, you know, fill out the stuff on non-resident alien, Mm -hmm. submit your affidavit. Again, I'm submitting a copy of my affidavit. Let them figure out what you are. Okay. Be a third one. They're getting plenty of them, though. So. Oh, good. Now, are you asking them for your lump sum retirement fund at one time? It's called a, um, yeah, refund because it's, um. I was I'm was doing substitute work for for uh, a while, and uh, I don't know. I, I I am. Yeah, I submitted a. It's a refund election of refund. Okay, so you hadn't been working for twenty years and putting money into your Calper fund, right? This is just a temporary thing. Then when you contributed, no, I've been since. Um, from what I'm comprehending, um. I, I was uh, working for the county um, a long time ago, right. twenty years. Ago. Okay, and well, this is—I believe this is from there. And there, they were I, when I got a new job. It was a Calpers job. Worked there for fourteen years and continued to. Oh, you've been contribute. contributing for a long time. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they send you a lump sum. I don't know anything about that, really. No, they—they. They, I did call them and have a conversation. They did say that, but I—I um, I think they're probably trying to figure out the the affidavit because this will be the third one that they've gotten well because i sent it to the ceo the treasurer of the scalpers and my local uh the one in san jose they all got it a couple months ago all right and then i sent it with the refund election application as well and now i'll be sending it again so i think they're trying to figure out what to do well i'm sure they are they've never been hit with this stuff before okay because nobody's ever figured it out before no i hear you 
here happy to try that okay well do that and let us know how they respond and don't feel will. any of you don't feel bad about corresponding with these people and see see you're going to find out their position by how they react that's true okay all right well thank you very much all right well thank you princess and the way we all learn is by people in these finite little positions here like we're discussing with princess we find out answers when people press the envelope that's the only way we find out answers when people press the envelope let the pressing continue okay well let the pressing commence or continue or whatever thank you princess so who else has got some complicated stuff here this morning since this is complication day Roger, I'd just like to say one more thing. If you're going to look up benefit of discussion in the context of how Stamper's using it here, it probably is going to have to come from military justice. Could be. Don't know. Okay. So where else can we go this morning? Nobody's nobody's got anything to add i see some new students roger an hour of discussion nobody's got any fine points okay well somebody come forward unmute them paul or whatever you got to do wherever they are hell i don't know anymore anybody with questions now's the time this is the forum for you and your questions don't let the cat get your tongue come forward please do I have one more thing I'd like to add and share with everyone? Okay, go ahead, Charlie. Okay. Um, again, there was a discussion about a half hour ago about not going into court. Um, and I agree. There's You won't get disagreement from me on that. But um, as a national, um, I still have kept ADBA going. And the only reason why I want to share this with people is because if you do get tangled up in something and you want to keep yourself at arm's length from the assumed named person, because, again, we've had this confirmed in the code with the Department of State, that person that was issued um, a passport is the assumed person. But if you want to uh, do anything administrative, um, I still do like the simplicity of a DBA. And the reason why, because essentially you, um, the man or woman, are in the position as agent, okay, just or attorney in fact. And the only job that the agent attorney in fact has is to um, uh, confirm if there's any performance obligations out there. So you're standing at arm's length from that um, that person. So that was just my thought. So if you have to get tangled up with any nonsense, you can still st- stand in another place. You can, do, you can do subchapter S's or trusts or anything else. That relationship would apply to all those, I believe. Absolutely. So there is a cure. Okay. So if you're in business and you want to go that route and uh, – the the end result is you as whatever the recipient of any pass through activity are uh, not under any obligations to pay taxes, and it, like Charlie said, if especially if you're doing a subchapter S for corporate or trust, then that entity has the responsibility. Okay, so some people like to do it that way. I got no problem with either way. Okay. 
So who else? We got any new people on here that want to communicate this morning? We'll bring this down from a complex level to a simple level. Somewhat simple, anyway. Hi, Roger. Hello. Good morning. Who are you? Good morning. This is Jamie from Colorado. I'm not so new. I've been listening for a while. And we have filed all of, my husband and I have filed all of our paperwork. I do have a question. Of, I just got on, so I may have already been talked about, but a tax question. Okay. Um, so... We got our paperwork all filed back in June all right. of 2022. Okay. And haven't changed anything because of IRS complications on our W-2s or whatnot. But okay. now we're looking at filing taxes for the, for the 2022 year. Right. Do I how do do I file that as exempt or do i file it as i, I would have normally filed it before i don't know and the, then i don't change everything i don't know the answer to this from okay. somebody that changes halfway through a year i i don't know mm-hmm. the answer to that now my sense is as we've never had anyone come back on by the irs for this mm-hmm. my sense is my sense is that they don't want to bring potentially any of these cases into any kind of public forum, any kind of light. I may be wrong. I said my sense is. I just don't have a definitive answer for you on that. It depends on whether, you know, as I tell people, Jamie, it, Mm -hmm. it depends on if it makes you sleep better at night. Okay, if it makes you sleep better at night, file your taxes for the whole year, pay the the thieves a little bit extra, then from now on you don't you don't file unless you got eight seventy one or eight seventy seven b. Okay. All right, but I think it depends on you because I just don't know how they treat this internally. Okay. All right. I didn't. I didn't want to get a a uh, filing fee, you know. Well, you won't you won't get that. You mean a $5,000 frivolous filing penalty? Yeah. Well, you won't get that because either you're going to file and pay for the whole year or you're not going to file at all and you're not going to have anything filed as a frivolous filing penalty. They've just used that over the years because that's the last defense they've got when they get confronted with this. And they're just trying to drag that that one wood out of their out of their bag and beat you with it. Okay, that's what they're doing mm-hmm. there, and intimidate you back into a corner. Okay. So I wouldn't worry about that one. All right, have you put Roger, have you and your husband? That. Hold on, have you and your husband put the IRS on notice yet? Yes, and I got my green card back. From okay, that. all right. Well, fine. I think you ought to be in, in, in pretty good stead. Okay. But okay. It, it depends I, on I whether guess, I just didn't know. It just if depe- anybody. Uh, like I said, de- it depends on how if you want to sleep better at night. Is about the the basis I can bring it to. Okay. All right. 
Now, there was somebody else trying to say something there. I think Roger, yeah, I posed that question on, on Telegram, and I think um, what they were they said is that you file regularly, and then next year you do an amended return and get that money back or do um, some sort of particular form. Well, well you, you could, you know, you guys and any people that have been filing, you've always now got the, op- uh, the option of doing a revocation of election. So, Jamie, you and you and your husband could go ahead and pay that this year, then do a revocation of election, and maybe get your last three years you've paid in back. How does that sound? Well, that sounds amazing. Now we don't, we don't, we don't. <laughs> I don't specialize in that here. A couple of our guys have done it. People are looking into it. Uh, John in uh, Alpharetta up there, did it all on his own. He didn't even ask me anything. He just did it, and $60,000 showed up in his checking account. Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, Roger? Yes. Just to, uh, on kind of um, on the same topic, when you say your last three years, I'm assuming that's the last three years that you actually paid, have paid tax. Paid Does it have to- Correct. It doesn't go back past three, to my knowledge. Some people say it goes back years. It doesn't. It goes back three years. And the reason I know all of this is this is how I came in contact with John and Glenn. This was John's deal that he found in the regulations that if you've been filing under the wrong status, you could correct your status, do a revocation of election, they'd send you three years back. That's They built their whole business on this. Okay, And so the first few people that did it got big checks back. And then the IRS figured what was going on. Where was the weak link we had then? We didn't understand the Secretary of State. So we didn't, they didn't instruct us, excuse me, my stomach's giving me problems. They didn't instruct us to file it with the Secretary of State. They instructed us to file it in our local property records office and then submit it to IRS. So the compl- the the connection wasn't severed at that point because it wasn't filed with the Secretary of State. And that's why they came back with the $500 frivolous filing penalties at that time. I got three of them, okay? They, now they're 5000 that just shows you this is the last resort they've got. It's the last club in their bag they can attempt to beat you with. So I guess what I'm trying to – so you're, from your understanding, it goes back three years from whenever you did your revocation, not three years from the time that you last paid taxes. Correct, correct, correct. you got to make the status change. And see, if people haven't paid, we get people around here that haven't filed in years. Well, they can't do a revocation of election because they haven't fi- paid anything in in the last three years. I see. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. All right. Now, hey, Roger. Hey, Roger. Yeah, well, yes, I'm going to always defer to the female. Guy, just keep sure. your question. Who, who's the female? Hi, Roger. This is Marla from uh, the Minneapolis area, Minnesota. Hello, hello Marla. Um, hi. So earlier you were talking to Jamie, and then it came up about Telegram. I did submit a question into Telegram, and it was basically parallels what, what Jamie had said. I hope I have the name right, uh, Jamie. Yep. So you're, what you're saying is go ahead, and because I, my husband and I did the national uh, September, and yes, the IRS has been put on notice. So basically we're just going to file as, as always. Go to our tax person right. and, and do what you always do. Right. And then you're saying go through 
after that, file a revocation of election. I'm I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you people are doing it. I'm telling you where it came from. You had a law firm for years, a guy that was in France named Weiss, uh, a Jewish guy, I'm sure. Weiss Paris was the name of the firm. And they were helping people do that for years. And now they've still, Weiss has passed away. They've still got the information on the website. And they don't do it for anybody anymore. But one of the people that worked internally there does. And we found her through Joe, New Jersey Joe. He, he's got the connection with her. And she's evidently been doing it successfully for people, too. I, I leave that decision in your ballpark, okay? I don't specialize okay. in that, uh, uh, and, but we got people that are working on it, and it is appears to be an option. Okay. Okay. I have another question. Uh, I don't know how often Abram. Now it sounds like he's from the. Uh, he is. He's from the your Twin area. City area yeah, as first, well. first thing I thought about when you said Minneapolis was his Abram on with us, actually. Yeah, and what what I wanted to talk to him about, and I don't know if he is on or uh, if I could connect with him anyway. There's the the of course the license plate thing, and I, I did talk to you about this about a week ago. But I was going to ask him if he actually went through and did not register his vehicle, just used his um, passport card, put new plates on his vehicle. If he had run into any trouble, and the reason I wanted to ask is that. Going, going through all this information and get, going from this rabbit hole to down that rabbit hole, there was the Copper something website. Moon, copper, no, copper, copper Moonshine. Copper Moonshine still. Yeah, that was it. And somebody on there was talking about this. Some states are really pricks about it. And as it turns out, lucky me, uh, you the live state in one of, of Minnesota comes up. <laughs> well, God, <laughs> somehow... They got their hooks into your state a long time ago. So well, that's um, Missouri as well, and I travel through those states because I always go to Oklahoma every summer. Okay. Well, anyway, I was wondering if Abram has ever gone through the process, if he has run into anybody, and that's. I was just hoping he'd be on the line today to ask. Well, that. I don't think he is because he, he would have probably chimed in. Abram, you out there? Okay, he's obviously not with us today. Some people do have jobs and stuff. Um, I don't know what to tell you, Marla, except you know, just learn the information. If you feel you, if you feel like you got the breasticles and testicles to move forward, go get your private tag and go out and try it. the The state, okay. if they try and come back on you, they don't really have a leg to stand on. Honestly, I don't think. But it depends on you. Yeah, this is the. See, this is the point where if you want to start confronting this stuff, now you got to go learn stuff, don't you? Okay? And so if you're going to fight those battles, it gets to a point, at least from my recollection, where you got to put your whole life on the damn back burner. All right? And, and that's the sacrifice people have to decide if they want to make. Yeah. And that's... Yeah, that's going to be a tricky deal because yeah. I think the, the the state of Missouri was listed too. So I'll be this summer traveling through a couple of states that are just going to be, yeah, you know, who knows what they're going to do. But right. yeah, I already have the plates. I, I had figured I was not going to send in those. Uh, I wasn't going to register the vehicle and just 
go from there, right. see what happens. Well, we got several people that work like that and travel like that, and, and to my knowledge, none of them have had any problems. That's the best answer I can give you. Okay. Okay. Because right. these jurisdictions well, are different. You're in one of the blue states, California, New York, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin are the ones that come to mind right off the bat. And, of course, some of the eastern states. Roger, I think Abram's here. Abram, are you there, buddy? Abram? Well, he must be busy. Okay. So when he, if you get unbusy, if he does come on, if he does come on, could he put anything on Telegram? Because I did, I'm on the Telegram site now, so I check on right. that every now and then. Right. And well, I don't know if there's anyone out there that have anything to add for that about the plates. Okay. Uh, you know, another one of the repercussions, the peripheral areas of what I do, you know, is all these things people have in their lives and they want to do, and and I can't be an expert on all of them. Okay. I'm an expert on, hey, the, on sure. getting. There's Abram right there. Abram, did you hear uh, Marla's uh, comments? I missed it in its entirety. I was uh, switching devices in that. Uh, so okay, well, Marla, Marla's in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Her and her husband are wanting to move forward on driving with private plates, and she had heard you say something about it and wanted to know if you'd follow through on it, I think was her question. Yeah, I haven't uh, gotten the private plates. I'm uh, I continue to use the same old plates, uh, and uh, uh, I have a passport card and and so on. But uh, you know, I don't. I don't. Uh, my expectation is that uh, I won't have any issues. You know, if you le- know your information and you get pulled over and you give me your passport card and you can talk the talk, uh, you know, there's okay. been a number of times where I've been tailed for a brief moment and then they just pull away. They put, you know, it's almost like, uh, and yep. And, and John from Alpharetta has also said something similar where, you know, at times where you would think you were getting pulled over imminently, uh, they just kind of, uh, peel away and disappear. Go find the, I'm sure that they have something. Yeah. They're probably, they're probably checking and they see that and, and they go off and find the low hanging fruit somewhere. Exactly. So, oh, you know, Abram, uh, I only, yep. Question is then, so you have the private plates, you don't have the tabs on them, and you're not using the old driver's license, you're using the passport card, and you're just going about your business? Yes, uh, but with their old plates and the expired uh, tags, I'm, truthfully, I kind of want to get pulled over. So <laughs> <laughs> there's the re- there's the re-empowerment process taking hold right there. Really and truly, it's like I'm kind of I'm very ready. Like uh, I see them drive by, I'm like, are they gonna give me? Are we gonna redoing this? No, no, okay. You should have said, hell, I wanted you to pull me over so I can give you a donut. Of course. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. I need to start driving around with donuts. <laughs> yep. You might buy some stock. Yeah. You might want to buy some stock in Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme. You're a little late. I just finished the last one. Let's start a club. We can have a a, a veterans list of those pulled over. I haven't gotten pulled over yet here in in Stockton, Missouri. But I've had state cops take a look at my plate, which just says U.S. National 1. And uh, 
I'm running around with a whole left taillight assembly that's not working. I got a pitch. So <laughs> you're, bait, you're baiting them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've done something similar where a, a friend of mine said, hey, if you're not worried about getting pulled over, why don't you unplug your taillight? And I said, okay, let's do it. You know, and, and I, they trip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Abram, just for curiosity, All right, so Abram, Marla. It sounds like then you, Abram, yeah. it sounds like you just left your old plates on and you didn't turn them in. You just hung on to them and exactly expired tabs. Just rolled on. Okay. You might get. You might get. Uh, I, I did so. Let me make one correction. I did have to get a driver's license because I needed. Uh, I'm in the process of, of uh, uh, moving, and so uh, I did need to get one to rent a U-Haul. But uh, my plan is to send them send a copy of my affidavit to the DMV, uh, and uh, you know notify them that I'm not a resident and not a citizen, and uh, so forth. Yeah. But I, it doesn't supersede the affidavit to the Secretary of State. No. You know, I know my information, and uh, I'm, I'm confident I can, you know, hold my own in, in court if it ever came to that, which I would be very surprised. Abram's uh, been, so, Abram, you know, I don't really have any concerns. Abram and a number of you people have been very good about learning and getting command of the information, and you can see the difference in his re-empowerment. I can't wait to get stopped. Right. Hey, Roger. That's yes. exactly it. Yes. Uh, running around with expired plates on your vehicle could be a good excuse to get a ticket, and they won't care about your paperwork until you get into court with it, and it's it's a possible way to get yourself in a hassle you don't need to get into if you just put a private plate on there and have the confidence in your passport card and just go live your life. Well, for whatever reason. I don't see it as a, a problem. I see it as more like a uh, – uh, a wrestling match, you know. We'll do some jousting. <laughs> well, hopefully, it, you're kind of like being in, having a disguise. Maybe you'll end up uh, like well, a football game, and you'll be the University of Georgia. Um, hello, okay. Good morning. Wait, wait, wait. So, so what happened though? Uh, back in uh, August, I believe it was maybe two months after I had uh, submitted my affidavit and uh, uh, notified all the the local folks. Uh, I got a, a, a warning for having expired plates on my vehicle, you know, and I was really surprised they even got the warning, but, uh, I, I think they were just, you know, they saw it. They probably went over and wanted to give me a ticket and, uh, that's the best they could do. Well, that's pretty good. Did you give them a warning back? Don't tread on uh, them. I, I wasn't at it was it was my vehicle's parked, oh, okay. and uh, I was at the uh, fair. Give and, them a uh, warning back and so say, they, "Don't they, don't tread on me." I was tempted to, to contact the, uh, the 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 DA, but you know, at that point, you know, I was only a couple months in, and uh, you know, the more involved in this you get, the firmer your footing is, you know. So, uh, you know, maybe I have my uh, purple belt. It, that's the re-empowerment process that uh, he's talking about. Yes, Paul. Uh, Muse in PPN2 has a question, and she's renewing her plates now. I think it might have to do with this. Okay. So she- Muse, was that? Yeah. Hello. Hi, Muse. Hi, Roger. Uh, yes, I I just sent in my, my paperwork. They received it on the 6th, ironically. Um <laughs> So I'm, I'm waiting for my, my time to, to send out my further notices. My 
plates and my driver's license are renewing February, should I send them a copy of my affidavit with the renewal? Well, are you going to, are you going to go ahead and get them renewed? Uh, well, because I'm not going to have my uh, passport yet. I, that, that, I, I was thinking I should probably renew them versus just that. Well, that's probably a that. formality. You've already put them on notice just because you don't have your passport back. Uh, does not prohibit you. Okay. You got till February, the good chance you'll, when did you apply for the passport? Uh, I, I sent in my notification, my affidavit and New Year's Eve. Oh, okay. So you haven't applied for the passport yet. Correct. Okay. Correct. I just, I just got the notice that they received my paperwork on the 6th. Right. Um, so I'm still waiting even to get the green card back. Right. Uh, so, so my neck, you said, wait the, wait the 20 days right? and send out. So I'm filling out the renewal cause I have a passport book and I'm, I'm renewing to get a card. Right. And, um, so I, I figure I'd fill out the paperwork to renew, to get the card now and mail it out on the, on the 21st day. And, and I'm sure you're all right in your particular time crunch. You might want to go ahead and move a little quicker on that. You can, I'm not, you know, it's up to you. Okay. Um, the, the 20 day wait time is just a perfunctory thing because that's just kind of what we've come up with. You know, it's not anything chiseled in stone. All right. We used to just have people sitting in the passport without doing a naked affidavit. But we've changed that because of those circumstances. All right. Um, have you put your local people? First of all, where are you, Muse? I'm in Michigan. Okay. In, uh, another Thomas one County. of the another one of the great corrupt blue states. Um, have you put the local Michigan people on notice? Your local officials in that that uh, you got some vegetarian as an attorney general up there, don't you? Yeah. Net Net Nessel, or is she Secretary of State, or is she Attorney General? That Nessel girl. Oh, yeah, I don't even know what she is. Okay, well, I mean, okay, <laughs> that's an open-ended answer. <laughs> we can explore that for the rest of the program. Um, you need to start. You need to put your local people on notice. Attorney General of the state and your local people. What part of the great state of Michigan are you in? I'm on the east. East side, so over by uh, Macomb, uh, Shelby, Pontiac. Okay. Well, put your. It sounds like you live in a. Who's moving around? Somebody's moving around, giving us microphone noise. Please stop. Okay. Uh, you put your local. Are you live in a small area? Sounds like you got small towns there. Uh, it's it's not too small, but it it's not a huge city area. Okay. No. Well, put your, you know, your, your AG up there and, uh, and your local chief of police, sheriff, district attorney, public health official, county public health official on notice, tie them into the AG notice with the statement about agency and lock them all in together and get that done would be, I think, one of your next steps along with going in and applying for your passport renewal. Okay. Okay. Does that help? 
Now, yes, I don't know what don't. to tell you about, you know, at these play, at this point, see, whether you want to do that or not, it's your decision. Whether you want to renew your tags or not. Okay. Right. So all I can do is give you the parameters and let you make the decision for yourself. Cause I'm not going to make it for you. Okay. I don't right. want you to come back. You told me, maybe, maybe, maybe. All I try and do is give sure, people the, ba- yeah. the basis. And, you know, when you file this thing, you move over into this personal responsibility category. Okay. So now a lot of this stuff falls on you. Okay. So my next, my next question would be when I send the sheriff and the AG and the secretary of state and all the local uh, individuals, my notice that I sent to the secretary of state. Correct. Uh, do I also include, because I don't have the green card back, but I've got the printout from the post office. But no, you don't have to include that. No, in our system, when you put it in the mail, it's considered received just like the IRS does to us. Okay. So whether you got the green card back or not, I mean, I understand people want that confirmation, but when you stick it in the mail, it's considered received. So I don't have to send that confirmation in addition no, to no, you the FD. No, nope. just a cover letter. Very simple, very short to the point. To your local officials, this is the heading on the cover letter. You want to put up at the top in big bold letters, lawful slash legal notice. Lawful slash legal notice. Underneath that, in capital letters, you want to put this phrase. Notice to the principal is notice to the agent. Notice to the agent is notice to the principal. Do you understand what we're doing there, Muse? Yes, I do. Okay, you're locking them all. For the rest of the audience that may be new, you're locking them in at the top of the cover letter under the laws of agency. So what that means is now you CC all those local people at the bottom and you send them exactly what you sent the attorney general. Okay. Now, should your local sheriff, for instance, pull you over because you don't have renewed tags on. Okay. Now there, if they've been put on notice, they have reason to know or should know that your status has changed. Okay. Now, if they're messing with you, they're messing with you outside of their delegated responsibilities. And should they proceed like the DA docketing a ticket that the sheriff stops and gives you, should they proceed with that activity? They've been put on notice. They're acting outside of their delegated responsibility. They lose their cloak of immunity and they become personally liable. And if they do it locally, now, because of that statement, the attorney general has lost their cloak of immunity, too. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So follow through with those things and noodle on your, you got a few days to noodle on your registration. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. All right. Who else is? Hi, there? Roger. I uh, think there's a new student in um, the chat here, and, and um, Caroline's waiting to talk to. Okay. Well, I always love talking to Caroline. Who's the new student first with the question? Alice. El- Ellis. Ellis. I don't know. 
Ellis, E-L-L-I-S. Right. I'm not sure if he's going to ask a question or not. Ellis, 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 front and center. Now's your time. The spotlight's on you, Ellis. Does Ellis want to come forward? He says he doesn't have a mic. Well, can he type out his question in, in the chat or something? Type it out, Ellis. How, why would you raise your hand to ask a question if you don't have a mic? That was Caroline. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Ellis, while Ellis is typing, hey, Caroline, how you doing this morning? Good morning, Roger. I'm morning. doing okay. Good. Um, I just wanted to reflect or you know backtrack on what the guys were talking about, about the taillights and whatnot. Um, you know, I mean, if you live out in the country, you know, that's probably not too much of an issue. But know that um, these, uh, well, we got 155,000 new federal police this past year, I believe. Oh, so good. So federal police are Gestapo. So it's not the police you used to know. Um, they've got extra powers. But right. the thing is, like, when you do like the that sort of a thing, you know, just to see if you'll get pulled over and stuff. I mean, God forbid somebody should rearrange your ass, okay? Because your taillights aren't working, they did or whatever. And they use that that kind of a thing is the perfect thing to um, for them to attack you with, um, you know, this this important thing that you're doing, this national. Well, first of all, let me backtrack and stop you. The new federal police don't have any jurisdiction over nationals. They're federal police. That's where Nancy Pelosi was putting federal things in, like Tampa and L.A. And, well, and, but and the sp- thing is, they're not working within their law. They're not. They're not. They're not following their own law. Well, they're not. Well, how do you, not- what? What example are you? What example? Give me an example of they're not. Fo- they're following their law over citizens of the United States and residents who they have exclusive uh, jurisdiction over. And it, really, when they can fudge any of this stuff, if you're not right. one of those, they don't have that power. I'm just saying that I feel that, like, let's say that. God- Hold on, hold on. There's some kind of noise. I can't get everything you're saying, and I want to hear what you got to say. So does everybody else. So, please, those microphones are real sensitive, folks. I don't know whether you're rubbing it on your beard or or whatever's happening, but just please be conscious of that. Caroline, now please, where I can get what you're saying. Somebody's still rubbing the microphone around. What the hell can I do? Okay. That might be me. I'm sorry. I'm I'm eagerly waiting to respond. Okay, well, well, let's finish with Caroline's, and then Abram's going to respond. Go ahead, Caroline. What I'm saying is that let's say that you got into an accident because somebody rear-ended you because they didn't see that you were stopping or whatever because of your taillight, and you said, you know, well, I'm a, you know, for whatever reason, you got into a jackpot because now, you know, being a national doesn't absolve you of no, the responsibility no, it of being of being a socially responsible no, person. No, it doesn't. In fact, you ought to be more socially responsible after you file the affidavit. Be the example. But when, let's say let's say that this, let's say you got into an accident. Let's say it's because somebody didn't see your taillight was out 
And that's what happens. So now it, now it falls on you that you're responsible. And let's say that this police officer or the sheriff or the local, whoever did that came, the highway patrolman or whoever is unsympathetic at, at best. And, uh, if not completely, um, against your national status and wants to give you a hard way to go. I just think that, um, you know, if that happens to you and it just happens to be that your light went out, that's one thing. But I, I, I really, you know, I'm not trying to um, bash anybody or anything like that. I just think that looking for trouble, I know that when people are looking for trouble and they find me, they found it. Yeah, right. So, you know you know what I mean? It doesn't absolve well, us. I, national thing would absolve of, I, us of our social um, responsible. And I totally agree with you. Act even hyper socially responsible is my suggestion, but people are going to do what they want to do. Abram, what was your response? Uh, Caroline, are, are you in support of man-made laws? Say again, say again. Do you support man-made laws or the laws of God? I support the laws of God, but I also support of, of, of Love thy neighbor and do unto others. Sure. Okay. So, you know, I have two taillights, right? Actually, I have multiple taillights. Uh, is there a significant issue of people rear-ending other people because they don't have in taillights? City, well, in cities, there has been because there's a reason for them to have taillights. Right. Well, I mean, you can make any hypothetical you want, right? Like, they're giving hepatitis B vaccines to newborn babies saying, well, maybe this baby will get uh, hepatitis B. That's right. I mean... You can always speculate, okay? But uh, we live in the real world, okay? And at some point, we're going to have to push back, okay? And so strong people should push back hard, okay? Because we really, we're running out of time. <laughs> well, Abram, I think the better ways to push back than to not have your tail light and put yourself... Well, thank you, Mom. I appreciate your uh, condescension. I'm... But at, at the same point, you know, what's, what's like, you're, you're advocating for man-made laws, I'd love to comment. Yeah, please. Sure. You see, we get off on all these hypotheticals here, and it just it gets into real murky waters. So, uh, uh, yes, Paul, what's your comment? Well, I had the I had the unique experience. Well, it's not unique. It happens every year of renewing my auto insurance. And when they sent me my insurance cards, they sent me 27 pages of my insurance agreement now unless you have read every single word of that three times and know there's not a landmine in yours like there is in mine because failure to register the insured motor vehicle is grounds for cancellation of the policy and denial of claim. Now, you can push the envelope and you can pick as many fights as you want to, but it might hit your pocketbook really hard, particularly if somebody hits you from behind and they hit you hard enough to hurt themselves. Or you. Well, actually, in that case, if they rear-end you, then it's by default their fault. That's right. Um, under normal circumstances, but you're operating outside of normal but circumstances. But if you wanted to claim, if you wanted to claim that on your insurance, they've got wiggle room to get out of the payment. That's what Paul's saying. Well, I have and, State Farm, and they make it hard on everyone to right. get their well, claims and easy on me. Well, 
Listen, there, there's, to my knowledge, there's very few decent insurance companies out there. They're all a bunch of crooks. Okay. By probably the most important words were grounds for cancellation right. of policy. Right. Which means they don't got to pay anyone. That's right. And then you're on the hook for your damage and theirs. Hey, Paul, I'm free to crash my car. Okay. Okay. See, we get <laughs> off right. in the hypotheticals. We get off in the hypotheticals here, and we're in the friggin' weeds. Okay. Roger. Um, the people that were doing the private plates were Adam, Jeffrey. I think had private plates. Uh, James. Um, we had some other James up in North Carolina who doesn't join us, and you don't know. Yeah, there's there's some people on Telegram that have shared their experience, and it's all in. Um, telegram marla if you want to look at it under private living okay there you go hey paul i appreciate the information though you know i mean that that is good to know and and uh food for for thought yes but, uh, yeah, read, it, read know, every look, page just try try and act responsibly you're taking on a different strata you're taking on a different I- entity identity and we're over under these laws we've never been under before god's laws okay just try and act responsibly in fact you ought to act hyper responsibly really um roger, roger. An- another thing the ls the new student i shared um, information on how he can call in and uh, because he doesn't have a mic on here right now. So he can call in through conference call, which is what we're transitioning to. And um, I also gave him the matrix docs and frequent, frequently asked questions is on there. He can look at that and it gives him all the data he needs. Okay. Um, the national application or affidavit it, there's a link for that also in the matrix stocks and that's what he was asking about okay yeah there's a sample on there it's a sample suggested sample paul i sent you that interview i did last week yesterday finally and i don't know whether yeah. you got it posted on the site or not yet but there's a new interview that is if it isn't posted will probably be posted soon and uh, uh i thought it was particularly good Okay, there's a reason I wanted to send it to Paul. And uh, so just FYI out there, especially for the newer people. It will be on yeah. CastBox? I, I put it, I put the, it I'm sure. I put the the post on last night's CastBox uh, uh, deal. So it's down at the okay. bottom of last night's CastBox. And I'll, if, well, today's Tuesday. I probably can't do it today. But anyway, that's where it is. Paul's going to get it posted soon, and I just thought Thanks, it was Paul. a particularly good interview. The the guy, the interviewer, said, hell, this is the best interview I've ever done, <laughs> which I was pretty excited about. So cool. uh, anyway, that's out there. Yeah, I've got an update on the LLC stuff if anybody's interested, Steve from Colorado Springs. Okay, Steve. Well, let's see. Was it Mur or, or Merka that was saying something right there? And we'll if not, we'll go. I was, but it's not that important. Okay, Steve, what you got on the LLCs? I uh, did some did digging and had a conversation with Kelly Alexander, uh, who's been mentioned a couple of times as uh, someone who's experienced in the revocation of election stuff. Okay. Um, Is that uh, the gal? Is Kelly Alexander. Hold on, Steve. Um, Hold on. Kelly Alexander. Is that the gal that used to work for Weiss Paris? 
I don't know if she worked for Weiss Paris. When I talked to her, she said she was trained by an older gentleman who had a business that that's what they did was that, revocation of elections. That's why that's Weiss Paris. That's her. I'm he sure. Business for the last couple of years, because right. um, he was getting older and wanted to transition to somebody who could keep keep the torch going. Okay. Well, what did Miss Kelly um, say? Anyway, I had a, a couple of weeks ago. I had a call with my CPA and our bookkeeping company because I uh, run a couple of different S corps, and both of them had a conniption about the, um, you know, filing of the national status and, and uh, then electing to be a non-resident alien under 26 CFR to not pay any taxes. And so led to multiple hour, multiple hours long calls um, to kind of square things away. And one of the concerns that the CPA had was that the S corp election actually states in the, uh, in the documentation for it, that non-resident aliens are not allowed to be members of S corps. Oh, so, well, that's a new that's a new information. Okay. Well. Yeah, that was new, and I looked it up, and it does in fact say that okay. only individuals um, and not LLCs can't be members of S corps. There's a couple of other things, but non-resident alien is specifically stated right. as not allowed to be a member. And I wonder, I, and I wonder why, because <laughs> the states give yeah. you your life, and they're saying we're not going to let you go through and take this all to yourself. And then give you permission yep. to operate as an LLC. That's what's going on there. So LLCs have, there's a couple of different elections because you can just start a regular LLC and under a regular LLC, there shouldn't be any issues because for tax reporting purposes, single member LLCs report what's called a schedule C and that's filed with the 1040. So if you're, you know, if you borrow EAD and you're no longer subject to the jurisdiction, you're not filing taxes, you're not filing a 1040, you don't file it to schedule C. So you're, you're pretty good. You want to keep books, like a good business would so that you have those records and understand what you're doing from a business perspective. But from a tax perspective, that single member LLC is completely passed through and only tied to the 1040. So there really aren't any issues. It only starts to get tricky when you've done an S corp election. And the reason you do an S corp election is uh, it helps you save on um, self-employed taxes, self-employed business taxes or something, self-employed something tax. But basically it, it offloads those taxes to the business as opposed to the individual. And that's why most people will do the escort election okay. um, vice the regular LLC. Where, where's that the buzzing? Issue. Hold on, Steve. Where's the buzzing coming from, please? Somebody's raised a razor or a vibrator in the background. Thank you. Go ahead, Steve. It's hard enough to get into these complex discussions when you got that kind of distraction going on. Please be conscious of that audience, please. Okay. Go ahead, Steve. So anyway, the S corp election um, saves on those self-employment taxes, um, but when with the uh, there's a thing that my my CPA referred to as blowing the S election, right? So if you do something to violate the S election, which would be a wrong, like trying to have an LLC as a member or a non-resident alien as a member, or so there are a couple of other ways that you kind of trip the circuit breaker, so to speak then there are tax implications because the LLC, the S-Corp reverts to an LLC, but then there are requirements by the IRS to actually get the business uh, professionally valued. And then there may be capital gains taxes uh, uh, applied to the, the change in value from when it started to when it, it blew the S-election. And it's their way of getting more money um, out of, of people. Well, here's and, the, here's the simple answer. Is, convert all those to a trust. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, there, there are a couple different ways to do it. Um, 
in one of one of which uh, where we're, my complexity comes in is that it's not just me. I have a business partner. He's on board. He's going to change the status as well. But you can't just go change it. Uh, that's that would blow it and cause this tax taxable event. Now, the ambiguity comes in is whether or not there's if you don't know taxes, it doesn't matter. Right. But there could be fees associated with the requirement of the IRS having professional valuation firm go through your business and do all that. That's a giant pain in the butt. So, you know, you may not have a tax liability, but you may have some other liability within the government structure because that S Corp exists under the IRS uh, regulations. So a couple of options are one, do nothing. Um, Kelly said that she's had some clients that just don't do anything. And the, that by not doing anything, you're kind of banking on the fact that the IRS is unlikely to do anything because it would validate the the process that you are now a non-resident alien based right. on your filing. Just like I said, they don't want to bring this, this issue into any spotlight. Correct. And so she said customers or clients that have done that and have had no issues your other option is to just slowly transition assets over. So if you have an S corp with name, you know, X, Y, Z, you start a new regular LLC. That's, you know, X, X, Y, Z one, something that's similar, but you know, different legally. Um, you may have some issues with your EINs and if you have any financing and bank accounts and that kind of stuff. So it's not, it's not, uh, work free to change it, but it is, it is an, it is, it is an option if you have the S corp. So, uh, I just wanted to pass that along because I know it's been a discussion what happens with these pass-through entities. Regular LLCs is pretty straightforward. S-Corps gets to be a little bit more um, convoluted, and there aren't any real answers other than maybe calling the IRS and asking. Yeah, you and, know, and, and, and getting ta- talking to 10 different people and getting 10 different answers. Exactly. So I'm still walking through the process, and I'll share what I learned as, as we go through it. But okay. I just wanted to throw that out there for anybody okay. that happens well, to have corporations that are actually S-Corp elected LLCs. Well, Steve, I thank you for that. And I didn't know that about those fine print in the in a LLC or subchapter S. So I'm glad you brought that to the forefront. I've never gotten any feedback on anything going wrong with people that were in that condition that followed through. And my sense is, you know, the IRS is pretty damn poor, piss poor organized internally. Okay. I mean, I saw the, the story a while back, about a year, year and a half ago, got from Colorado and the guy was self-employed and he wrote his quarterly uh, tax payment, sent it to the IRS, but the IRS didn't cash the check for six months. He didn't reconcile his bank account. And so when the IRS did get it, and went back to cash it, the check mounts, and they came after him, and that's where the attorney came in, okay? And that's when the IRS said, well, we haven't opened our mail for six months. Yeah, they've always cashed our checks pretty fast, but we yeah. send them electronically, I right. guess. Well, this was during COVID. I'm not sure how much that had to yeah. do with it, but they're not also real. Also, the revocation election process, and I know that John uh, had previously done that, and he was on a couple of times, but I don't think we got into a ton of detail with him. So I'll, as I as I continue to walk through it, I'll, I'll pass along any information anybody okay. that's interested. All right. Try well, to share it on the call. Good, Steve. Thanks. How's your brother Frank doing? <laughs> I haven't met Frank yet. Yeah, you, different unless, unless there's a real Steve with a real brother Frank. Oh, well, there, there is, there's a Steve from Colorado with a real brother Frank, who's uh, and that's who I thought you were. So, pardon me. Yeah, uh, different, different guy. All right, I guess there's more than one Steve in Colorado, huh? 
I, I think I've seen a couple on the Telegram chat, yes. Okay, good deal. Well, glad to have you check in. Thanks for the information. And as you can see, when you get off into this kind of an area, business and corporations and all this stuff, it gets real complex, okay? But my experience is they've never come back on anybody that's filed this notice other than just threaten. There's a couple, and there's only been a couple of those, in all honesty. Okay, right at the end of the program. Has anybody else got anything today? Hey, Roger. Yes, sir. Hey, buddy, it's Byron. Hey, Byron. I, uh, I sent my affidavit off on the 20th of uh, December. Yes, sir. And I got my green card in today. Okay. Which just so happens to be – or no, actually, I sent my affidavit off before that. It was a week before that. They signed it on the 20th. And I got my green card today, which just so happened to be 21 days later. Okay. With no rebuttal, so it's official now. Yep, it sure is. Well, they can't rebut it. See, and that's the, 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 because who, who, what status you are is your decision, not theirs. If they tried to rebut it, they're open tyrants. They can't rebut it. You see, that's the power of this. You are what you say you are. They can't come in and say, no, you're not that, you're this. Well, you're a damn open tyrant. They'll do anything to avoid that label. That's why they've gone through all this to set this up, so they could be tyrants, and you don't understand how they're doing it because they got you under their thumb. By you answering those questions your whole life and not knowing what they were asking you. Okay. Roger. Yes, Paul, quick. There's a whisper. Quick announcement. If you're having trouble getting into PPN Studio, go to PPN 2. It's easier to get in there, and we lock up PPN Studio at 50. So so the platform doesn't fall apart. Remember, you can call 206-806-9826 and jump in on the conference line or find the appropriate link on ExposeTheMatrix.com. Thank you, Raj. All right, Paul, no problem. I'm going to contact you later when I get back from lunch, okay? Um, okay. All right. Well, uh, that's the end here of today. A pretty interesting program today. We got off into a lot of interesting stuff. And if you're new, you got to drink a water out of a fire hydrant this morning, okay? And I'm sorry for it, but that's where this leads. We'll try and get back more simplified. And and the, the basics is what I like to cover here, but we got to cover some of these offshoots, okay? So uh, sorry for the complexity. Don't get discouraged. One bite at a time is how you eat an elephant, okay? And so uh, that's just... Learn the information the best you can. Get command of it the best you can. If you got questions, this is the forum for you. And hopefully you will become re-empowered like you've heard a couple of these folks here today. See, it works, man. This works. Okay? But you've got to put in what you expect to get out. Garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. Okay? So anyway, I'll uh, see you all tomorrow. We're done with the show. Ciao.